With fire in his eyes and his weenie in a cage. Headless monsters us so we can titillate your brains. Out on the streets for a living. Ooh. Sing it with me, Kathy. Black Diamond. Yeah. I don't. This is probably some obscure song that only you know that I don't. Kathy, you were a heavy metal rocker like 300 years ago. Heavy metal doesn't mean that I liked every band. There were only certain bands I liked. Kathy, this was Kiss, 1970s. Black Diamond. Oh, I hated that song. So stupid. Oh, my God. Peter Chris sang from the drums. Oh, whatever. Here, I thought we were going to start this. And it was going to be rocking. I just watched a video of it, and it was amazing. They played so great back then, 300 million years ago. Yeah. Whatever, Kathy. Thank you to Headley, (laughs) our glorious show sponsor, because he's awesome. He probably knows Black Diamond. I think think Headley is awesome, too. I think about him every time I use that vibrator. (laughs) The following show is for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. And if you don't like it, please go fuck yourself. One, two, three, four! Do you feel your sex life is quite lame? Scared that your desires might be strange? Come and join the kinky world of play. Perverted Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Perverted Podcast, the show where we explore the adventures of the kinky lifestyle, sex, and the sexually drained human mind. Oh, recording to live. I know where I'm recording. I have no idea where you are, Boogie. Where in the world is Count Boogie? I am somewhere on the other side of the Americas. Oh, you're still with with the lovely Mew? I am with the lovely Mew for a few more days. It has been a quite interesting trip. Before I start uh, emoting about the love festivals and different playthings and, of course, some Uh mistakes that come with not playing for a while. Not big mistakes, but Uh just things we can talk about. Do you have anything uh, going on with you? How are you holding up? I, um, you know, I went from... You know, a one, which is the bottomless pit of despair and misery, where I, okay. I can't stop crying and, and it's I'm starting to wear on everybody around me, but it's I've gotten to a three maybe. Okay. That's meaning good. that rate your that's three meaning progress. That you, meaning that the level of intensity of your your deathly emo sorrow is at a three instead of a ten. Well, I'm 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 saying one is the depth of, of misery. That's like as low as you can go. Oh, 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 oh fucking God, Kathy. We do everything in one to ten. You gotta go change in the system. I said one to ten. I just said that one was the depths of all misery. See, this is proof that you don't listen to me, Boogie. Well, usually ten is the most intense. You know what? Not I'm one. I'm going to pull the fragile card. I'm very fragile right now. Stop arguing with me. Fair enough, Kathy. I'm just, whatever level you're at that's better than the shithole you were fucking wallowing in a week ago, let's call it a win for you and the fam. Now I would like to take this moment to segue into some actual good news. Oh, great. Thank Simply, you. I mean, I have my things, too, and I'll talk more about those next week uh, when I get back. But as far as the the moments here on this trip, it, it's gone pretty well. Mew um, uh, and I uh, have had a nice time. I mean, she's studying like massive. You know, she's studying massive. She has all these big tests. So Mm -hmm. I was only here for like two days of her vacation and she was actually studying through those two days. So um, it's like you kind of grab the moments where you can. But we did have uh, the moment where we went and visited the friend that we've been talking to. I've been Ah. talking to for a long time and it did go pretty much as expected, seeing as I am. A love God. And even though oh I was a love God, God, a dormant love God, there was still enough to, I'm going to say, 
give me about now my scale goes 10 being the best. I'm going to say I was at around a six and a half, seven, which was for, for the, the amount of time that I've had away from play and the different types of play. Um, you know, I think I had my head in the game fairly well. And, uh, and so it, it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was fun to explore with a new person that I've never explored with. There was some, uh, some very nice fucky time. It was a quasi threesome because Mew and her are close friends, but they don't want to cross that boundary. So it was mm-hmm. like, you know, I'll play with the one and then I'll play with the other separately, which, you know, as a pig, I'm like, oh, that, that's fine, fine by me. <laughs> no uh, worries. So you're like, you're like a dormant volcano, right? Yes. <laughs> kind of kind of dormant yeah it wasn't super volcano-y but it, it was it, it was a lot of fun and that was like the first get together and then a few days later and that of course that first one because it was a first play there was lots lots of spankies and whatever and i did it was mostly like sensual i really kept it not crazy because once again why do you want to break someone on their first time so every toy that i used i used you know, up into, you know, very, very lightly. And they had a really nice time. Uh, they enjoyed it. And so a few days later, when I went uh, back, we had another thing. But and this was more like the full, it was like almost being at a dungeon. They had a big counter in their kitchen, a granite counter. And I said, great, this is a great place for fire play. And I had brought, you know, TSA, you know, the baggage handlers crushed two of my cups. So I only had two fire cups and I had a couple torches. And then I bought (laughs) out here, I bought some rubbing alcohol and the two cups actually made it last longer because you had to go slower and put the cups on and then leave them for a few minutes and do other play. And it was actually wow. really nice. I did uh, I did fire play on Mew to kind of show the friend, you know, this is what it is and what it's about. And here's all the safety things. And I was pretty good. I had thought through it because fire play is an edge play and I hadn't done it in over a year. So I went through my little list and I had my wet towels and, you know, hair ties and things. And so, you know, I talked about all the safety first, not just for them, but also to remind myself of the... <laughs> the process and things that I have to remember. And so it was really lovely. And and I played with uh, Mew and did a fireplace scene on her. And the friend was like, this is amazing. I, I surely want to do this. And then Mew went to study on the couch. And then I did a really long, it was like being back at a dungeon, Kathy. It was like a legitimate, you know, two hours of playing with both of them, just doing fire play and sensation and, you know, feathers and things and just a lot of different (laughs) things. And it was, and it was just, I was, I was like, this is like being back. I had completely forgotten. Wow. That's it. You know, it's all but long fucking time. Yeah. It was a, it was a real long time. So, you know, like I said, I kept everything dialed back, which I think was the best choice. And it wound up being really nice. It was, it's okay if everything's not all crazy and, you know, hitting home runs, you know, it's really nice. It was nice connections with both of them. Uh, I got to do some daddy stuff and, you know, just take care of them. And, and the, the girl fell asleep on the counter, like after about 45 minutes into the sensation and fire play and things like that, which was actually really nice. And they, you know, cause everyone's all stressed cause of all the school and stuff. So, um, so it wound up being, it wound up being really cool. The one thing that I will call the, oh yeah, is the next day, uh, the friend who has their own, you know, life stuff going on had, uh, had a drop and I had for, I didn't warn her about that. <gasps> oh, so, so, and it wasn't a bad, and I figured, you know, in my head, I'm like, oh, sensation play, everything's very nice. We're not doing anything, ex- you know, there was no heavy DS dynamic or anything, but it doesn't matter. You know, it was a very nice play scene, but it doesn't mean that if you're not used to that, that there can't be a drop the next day. And there was a drop the next day and they got emotional and you had told me about it. And I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Do you think she's dropping? 
and and, uh, and so I had talked to her that morning, you know, and kind of did all the check-ins and, oh, it was a really nice time. And, you know, there's some back and forth, but I didn't, because it was a new person, I didn't prepare them. That was the only thing I think I could have done better is, is to say, Hey, that, you know, there's a, you know, we did this play and even though it wasn't too crazy, there's still maybe a balancing of the chemicals. And when I explained that to her, when she was dropping, um, it made a lot of sense to her and she was able to come out of it, you know, pretty well. Right. Cool. But yeah, there's always something to remember. That <laughs> life is the place. Talk about genital torture and subspace. We share our kinky thrills with perverts from around the world. Yeah, perverted podcast talking about that life, motherfucker. For your peace of mind, please know that the author of every post we talk about has specifically granted us permission to do so. Today, I have a post by Blue Kitten ninety one. And she wrote something very short called Opinion, in which she says, period sex. Why do guys make a big deal about a girl on her period? I know it's a little messy, sure. The smell is eh, not the best. But me and some of the girls at work were discussing this. We tend to want sex and other forms of intimacy more around that time. Opinions? Oh, I got some. Oh, I know you do. I got some. I can solve this mystery, Kathy. I can Uh-oh. solve this mystery because I think we're only dealing with a very small point of view that women have that men don't. Right. Now, we can go into a lot because – and this actually this perfectly came up because when I got here last week – Mew had told me before I got on the plane, by the way, I'm on day two, which for her is just a bloodbath. And I might have even mentioned this in the last show. And I'll be honest, I was tired. I didn't sleep. I was traveling. You know, you got to kind of work up. I'm not that into blood. I love blood play, but I'm not that into period sex and whatever. But, you know, there's moments where it works and you you get it through it and whatever. So sure enough, I got there. And like I said last week, you know, uh, you know, after, you know, being all pent up for months and months and she did something cute and, you know, it struck some chords and the period made no difference. It was her being a virgin all over again for about (laughs) the 300th and 90th time since we've uh, been dating. So we've had lots of period sex. But here is a point of view, Kathy. See if you can go with me on this. Okay? Okay. Women from the time of early adolescence to mid-adolescence, all the way up until how old were you when you started going through menopause? Uh, I was around 51. 51. So, And when did you start having a period? I was around 12, 13. 12, 13. So that is 37 years? 38? I fucking, I just plunked on math. 38 years. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) Something like that. It was a lot of time. I think what women tend to forget as 20% of your life, how long did your periods last? Who, me? Yeah. (laughs) Um, Mine lasted at least five days. At least five days. So every month, five days of your month, and then whatever spotting or, you know, cleanup or whatever for, you know, so five to seven days. Right. You are invested in your blood and not just your blood, but your period blood and what, you know, smells and clean and, you know, taking care of that. That is what? That's almost a week. That's almost 25% of your life Uh is surrounded with your blood and your menstrual cycle. It is so integrated into the average woman's life that they they don't think about it. In anything other than this is the thing I have to go through. You know, of course, there's tons of jokes and, you know... Men do not have 25% of their life dealing with bleeding. And if they do, they have 
something pretty wrong with them. Mm-hmm. So you hear so many times, why do men have a problem with this? It's kind of exposure. I mean, I guess if you're a butcher and you cut animals for a living or do a lot of hunting and skinning and something like that, maybe you don't have as much problem with blood, but I can totally understand how women are like, this isn't a big deal. This, this doesn't matter. But to me, I've, I've never lived with that much blood. Yes. I, I've got to say, I agree with you 100%. Um, I've had to deal with it that much and even I don't like it. And if I were with a, having sex with a woman, I still wouldn't like it if they were on their period. It's just, there's no way around it. This, you're in the minority, in my opinion, if you, if you actually are fine with it or, or even like it, because there are not too many people that do. Blood is an alarming thing. We're, we're used to being alarmed when we see a lot of blood and the women, women's, uh, reproductive organs being all on the inside and having to slough off every month. I mean, let's not forget, it's not just blood that comes out. It's part of your uterus that's coming out. Right. <laughs> it ain't pretty. And because it's inside, it's prone to bacteria and smell. And it does right. have a very particular smell. So you've got something that is visually alarming that um, has not just blood, but other body parts coming out with it. And doesn't have a great smell. Now you tell me how many people you think out there would be okay with that. So you, you, if you're a woman, you have to be okay with the fact that most people are just not going to be into it. They don't want anything to do with it. And that's just the way it is. I I don't, there's, there's very little in my mind that is appealing in any way. And also very little that is passable that you, that you're a, okay with just being in the presence of it's gross i'm sorry it's disgusting wow (laughs) jeez kathy (laughs) i feel you now once again i am not in that extreme because i've had lots and lots of period sex and i do believe there are ways to absolutely lessen that kind of you know fear uh you know whatever the the instincts of like you know that thing i think that can be mitigated by putting down towels going in a shower i think for the biggest is to really talk about a period a lot of guys i don't think are really educated about the process of what a period is how it affects a woman in her daily life because it is so much of her life that is invested in this uh, ridiculous fault of evolution that makes them suffer for Mm -hmm. an extra week out of the fucking year, um, which I can't relate to. So I think for me, I'm much better with it because I've had so many good conversations about a woman and her point of view. And like I said before, there are times where sure, okay, you don't feel fresh. I don't, I'm, I'm whatever in my head about it. Okay. Maybe it's not going to work, but there are ways to get around. And once again, the whole idea of changing your mindset around it. Oh, it's kind of kinky. She gets to be a virgin every month. Uh, You know, it's kind of a fun role play. I think there's a lot of ways to address this while at the same time understanding, you know, the poster was like, why is this? And I hear a lot of women go, why is this a big deal? And I think it is because we just don't, we just don't get it. We don't get bleeding. I know it's it's a very bizarre thing. Women have this entire other dimension that men know nothing about. We we make uh, clothes purchasing choices based on our period. We have to have an extra amount of money. You have no idea how expensive this shit is to buy tampons and or the cups or whatever it is that you're using. We plan vacations around it. There is a, a whole dimension to this that men don't understand. And I, I and it, speaking about why some women are okay with it and they don't understand men, there's also the fact that every woman is different. Every every vagina looks different, smells differently, behaves differently. I had a friend in high school who had the mildest periods, maybe three days, barely any cramps, 
a few tampons she would stick up there and then she would be done. And when we compared notes, I found out she had very little smell. So she right. hit the fucking vagina jackpot. And I, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I unfortunately did not because I have a, for whatever reason, a very strong smell. Periods that lasted five to seven days, the majority of which had me on my knees in pain. It was so bad to the point where I took so much ibuprofen that I got an ulcer and I had to dial it back. And it was, it it was just horrible. And there were times, especially the, the beginning and three days into it where I literally could not leave the house because I was changing tampons every hour. So the fact that every woman is different means that every woman is going to have this, a different opinion of it. Every man who is with that woman is going to come away thinking, wow, all women are like this. And then they find another girlfriend and only find out that they're completely different. So, I mean, there, right. there's just so many about, about the menstrual cycle that is such a nightmare to get through and to understand that I'm not surprised at all that most men are just like, yeah, I'm just going to stay away from you for that week. Yeah, and I mean, there is a lot of negative, you know, a lot of religious condemnation. Uh, the the female menstrual cycle is a way to literally that whole cultures push women down as dirty for like a quarter of the month. Like there's some religions where the woman isn't even allowed to sleep in the fucking bed, you know? Yes. So I think there's a lot of really negative points of view about this thing that occurs. That is the reason we're here. Good or bad, if you don't celebrate the period on something, then you don't get humans. So, you know, I really think there it's a good conversation to have, which is why I'm glad we're having this conversation. And I think men and women, especially if they're coupled, uh, should have really good open conversations about it to take away some of that demonology around you know the fucking pussy because it's actually kind of an awesome thing yeah it's an it's an interesting thing it's a shitty thing if you have to go through it Uh but it's a fat it's a fascinating process that you know this happens and uh you know i just don't think it should be as taboo because it's not like it's a miracle this happens billions of times a month (laughs) <laughs> I don't think it's demonic, and if it is, then the the whole planet's demonic. So true. It's I a like good th- topic. I, I'm glad that she gave us permission. It's a short topic, but we've talked about this before, and this should be, uh, frankly, talked about more often because it is a huge part of women's lives. And men, if they don't like it, that's fine. You don't have to like it, but you should absolutely educate yourself. And I think thank you for letting us use that post. She's a virgin again. (laughs) Oh, my God. Technical suck-up warning. Hello there, perverted podcast listeners. Apparently, while I had this conversation with Enigma that you're about to listen to, my microphone did not talk correctly to the computer and thus defaulted to the crappy laptop mic in the computer. So Enigma sounds pretty good and I sound pretty crappy, but it was a good conversation and we talked about worms. So here you go. Is Geeky World News a social enigma? I don't know. Let's ask Enigma. He should know because he's... Got the same name? How you doing? I haven't talked to you in a while. I haven't talked to you either. Um, I'm doing pretty good. I have, I don't have any current potatoes, but like, uh, there's planning for some some kinky shenaniganery this weekend. We're going up to Big Bear for Fourth of July. And, oh, nice! Is uh, this the partner that you um, that you've already been playing with, kinda? Yes, this is one that uh, I I played with previously, and um, her. Her and I, and then two other uh, kink-minded friends, are all going up and uh, just having like a couple days in the woods. And um, yeah, it, it, it should be really nice. There's a hot tub, and it's more or less secluded, so we can like have naked hot tub time. Oh, so you got a cabin? Yes, we got a cabin. Yes. Smart, because fuck that camping shit. No, no, we are not. I like I, I I'm into camping, camping, but like this is not camping. No, there's no, I mean, oh, we have a hot tub. We dug a hole in the ground and then found, you know, natural <laughs> spring and heated up. Fuck you, motherfucker. 
Fuck you. Get a goddamn gun. Maybe I'm just bitter because I've lived in a car so long that everything is camping to me. So being indoors is uh, something I think is, is actually a good thing. But th- th- then there's a whole gener- or whole group of people that have chosen to live in their car. Um, and and like it, it is it is a choice to like live small. Have, sure. Have you, have you watched those people? No, I uh, I don't. Most of us think it kind of sucks. That's all really nice. Yeah. You know, people like that's really nice for the first fucking like six months. Mm-hmm. You know, and after a few years of that, you're like, you know, running water on my balls would be a good thing. Mm-hmm. I think running water and electricity is good. I think it's good to be a part of a system, Enigma. <laughs> <laughs> There, there, there not, are perks. There are perks of being part of that. There are perks. Like when yeah. you want someone to come over and you want to have sex with them, you can do things like shower first so mm-hmm. you don't put your rank sweaty crotch in their face. I don't know. I think that's a good thing. Let's evolve. Yeah, and and, and not have to use the gym shower for your sex shower. Yeah. Yeah. That is yeah. that is true. Amen. You have some <laughs> stories. I do. And one I don't know what the fuck reason you picked it for. But I thought the shit was funny when I was reading it. Why don't you start with our little friends, our little sexual friends at the bottom of the sea? I will. Yes. Uh, well, people will have a very different idea about the Little Mermaid after this. So the article is from inverse.com. It is a science website. And the article is called Clams Engage in Wacky Competitive Sex uh, Group Sex. Excuse me. It is a, uh, it, it, got, it got me all kerplept or whatever. Um, I just hear 70s porn music. I gotta make some 70s porn yes. music. Yes. So, oh, if we're doing that, I have to do the voice. <clears throat> it's a tough life for a shipworm. They're stuck to the same piece of wood. They need to feed and, of course, reproduce. And a new study recently showed that they take a unconventional approach to this. A very attentive researcher decided to film the act when he came in, and unnoticed, the tank was filled with this thick, creamy liquid that can grow up to five feet tall in hopes of getting that reproductive edge. And they can go at it for hours. Hours. Oh man, I feel the jealousy already. (laughs) Motherfucker, a worm lasts longer than you. Right? We're a sea worm. Not only are they shooting it all over the place, but the clams are also in a wrestling competition with uh, the competitors and other potential mates. And an act known as pseudo copulation. I just called it wrestling. But uh, (laughs) but it's all for the right to inseminate the mate. Um, It becomes apparently in in clam terms, a pretty primal in and wild clam orgy with up to six individuals engaging together. Um, they're even they're they are even a fan of uh, the good old cream pie. If they don't like the mate anyway, they just push the sperm out. And the best part is is that these clams can change sexes in the middle of the act and both take and be giving sperm in order to reproduce. As a switch who likes to have the tables turned, I relate to that a lot. Enigma, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes, Boogie. I I read this article, Mm -hmm. and I watched said attached (laughs) research video of... I don't know what I was looking at, but it Mm -hmm. looked Mm like worms fucking. It looked like little sea worms fucking, and like being not cool about it. Like, it wasn't like take terms or gangbang and all the... it, It was just... It was a lot of cock blocking. It was a lot of cock blocking with cocks. I'm assuming those are cocks. I mean, the thing looks like a little cock that the cock is blocking. And then I just like right in the middle of that, as I was trying to take it all in, I'm like, Enigma didn't get laid or something this week. Like, what the fuck? (laughs) Like, were you just in your chair so sick of the average porn in your masturbation chair and you just stumbled onto worm porn and th- thought this is this is good this is this is the next thing i mean i did watch hours uh when pornhub released the uh bee porn um in it for support of bees um so <laughs> you know i i just felt i needed a i needed to support our undersea friends as well 
That is, uh, that's it. I mean, you know, they, you know, they eat wood. I mean, it's kind of cool in one sense. The one thing that I thought was interesting is the intersex thing. And then the hermaphrodism that happened like spontaneously, mm-hmm. you know, like if it's like you're there and you're all, Hey bro, I know you've been really lonely lady. You want me to just like pop out a vagina so you can fuck it? You know, it's like, you know, like bros hanging out, you know, kind of helping each other out by just sporting a vagina. But but also like, like the 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 female or the other person who you know got a little got a little roughed up like they get to return the favor if they want to. That is yeah, that's pretty switchy. Yeah, that is uh, pretty switchy. I'm not exactly sure what the point is. Should you ever perverted podcast listeners go into the ocean and see <laughs> a piece of wood, which is the porn name for an erection. Yes, yes. Uh, if you should see some worms eating wood, you know, just back off. Right, yeah. Give them their space. Let them do their magic, you know? <laughs> everybody's everybody's fucking, everybody's happy. Thank you, Enigma. Thank you're, you. You're very welcome. Thank you for that. Can we just move this ship with wood <laughs> a little into the human realm now? Uh, I think we could. Um, and if people want to read this article and all the articles that we've talked about, they're... Uh, we posted both on our Discord server and on our FetLife page. So the next article, this comes from BuzzFeed.com. And this is 17 secrets that sex workers want you to know about them and their jobs. Uh, this is not the whole list. If you'd like the whole list, please check out the link on the profiles mentioned. Um, so we're going to go back and forth with the ones that we liked from this list. Uh, the first one I liked is the first one on... Um, their list is my life is on the line with every wrong move. People think that I don't put in effort or have to try to make money. It's not an easy job. There's no way to sue or report misconduct. It's up to you and your fists. This is something that uh, is, of course, much more a reality in America Mm -hmm. and places that don't have protections for sex workers where sex workers are having to perform their professions underground and illegally. Right. Whereas you have other countries where they are much more defined. There is 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 much more safety. Nothing's 100% safe in any, in any job. Right. Um, but it's definitely safer in some places, and it really is. You're, and we talked about this. I don't know if it was with you on another thing or something with Kathy. But it, it's just the sadness of knowing how little recourse you have to protect yourself um there really isn't a lot of resource for protection no there, there's really not and uh, we, we have talked about like over covid how countries were recognizing sex workers as workers and therefore they got a lot of those protections that um that like regular like non-sex work uh workers were getting like they got uh stimuluses and they got health care like over covid right. and and uh, one thing that a lot of these people are coming from, there, there's a few people from outside the U.S., but most of these are from coming from the U.S. And um, it's just, yeah, like you're saying, it's, it's really sad how like we can't just treat these people as humans. Like, yeah, you, you, you don't have to respect what they're doing, but like you can respect them as human beings. And that's, I think, where it, a lot of it comes down to. Uh, next one. One common misconception is a lot of people think sex workers like OnlyFans. Um, it is a very controversial topic in our community, especially for those who are doing sex work before OnlyFans and the pandemic. Um, I picked this one because I think it has a lot to do with kind of the younger generations and not knowing exactly the extent of sex works and how it's been around. I think there's a lot of people that are uh, even younger than me who are coming into this into the world and and all they've known is sites like OnlyFans or Pornhub and like seeing these sex workers on or mini vids and seeing these sex workers online and having and so they have that sort of protection like they like they, there's there's that there's the inter internet between the sex worker and the client and uh, they don't realize that there's there's a whole um th- th- there's a whole profession of sex workers that do it in person and there is no protection there is no line but in the sand between them and their um their johns I have no comment. <laughs> I, I've never been to OnlyFans. I have only known the in contact. I mean, even I mean, obviously, there's porn and 
and I understand that there's cam performers and things like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. but yeah, right. most sex work, in my mind, as an older person, has been the in-person stuff. Right. Um, and my, my last one before we get into boogies um, is most clients are boring and dumb. <laughs> <laughs> you, you spend the whole time looking at the clock. I really wish people could understand that being a full-service sex worker isn't en- enjoyable because you're having sex as your form of work. It's work. Well, I mean, I think that's obviously subjective based mm-hmm. on the the sex worker's uh, view of why they're doing what they're doing, which, of course, some of the other things that are in the article that, that people can read lean towards both of those things because there are sex workers, as in some of the other things, where it's very empowering and they really enjoy sex. They enjoy that communication with people. They enjoy the service of it. They enjoy the fact that somebody has a need or maybe they've been repressed or they're afraid to ask to try something and that you're providing that that forum that they can that they can do that. So for some people, it's a very exciting job. For some people, I'm sure it does get kind of lame and monotonous and right. you are pretty much going well i get i get paid a good amount of money after this is done so it's just like any other job right exactly uh number nine um we have we are not products and just because you pay doesn't mean that we don't have boundaries there's a misconception that we don't deserve basic human respect and anyone can do whatever they want with us we are not products and just because you pay doesn't mean we don't have boundaries See, I got a little thing here. Yeah. Enigma. Yeah. See, just because McDonald's serves food don't mean you can walk in there and expect them to give you a pizza. Right. Yes, exactly. Just, every job has to be negotiated. You know, every job, contractor, whatever, there's a bid. You know, you tell them what you want. You give them some blueprints. They come If they come up with the blueprints, it costs a certain amount of money. So everything is negotiated up front. And then they come in and they perform the job and it, it doesn't mean, you know, you don't bring a roofer in to install your jacuzzi, you know? Right. So it's like, just because they, they're coming in does not mean you own them as a human being. Right. It's right. just like any other job. You negotiate the job, you bid the job, you negotiate the terms and then you perform it. And even if you have specific fantasies, those should all be negotiated too. Now, hopefully the sex worker feels empowered and you have, I've known a lot of sex work Mm -hmm. and some of the newer ones come in and because there's no system of training and things are very underground, at least in the States, um, there's a lot of mistakes that don't need to be made, but some of those early mistakes really come down to not being, not feeling empowered to negotiate very specifically what you want. Some of the sex workers that have been doing for a while learn that, yes, we have to really lay this law down beforehand. Otherwise, people just may assume that you are a product. Right. But it's it's really important to understand that it's just like anything. There has to be a negotiation. And, hopefully, and one of the things of having sex work being legal is hopefully that you can provide just like any any vocation that you choose to go in, that there can be a certain level of training. Could you imagine, Enigma, how great sex work would be if sex workers, that people that were interested in going into sex work could actually take a legal, uh, thorough curriculum to understand the ins and outs of that industry right. to the amount of empowerment that that would give you, the, the lessening of abuses and mistakes I think that would be amazing. That, that these, would be pretty amazing, yeah. But these are more my dumb fantasies. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, and we, we, we see this sort of entitlement coming through with, and like, even in, in, like, you're saying, like, in person, like, you go to a strip club and people will pay that money and then they expect to get whatever they want. But there, there are, you know, there are, um, there are boundaries. There are, there are things that you have that are, like, there are rules set in place at strip clubs that protect the sex workers there. And um, if you try to push those, you will you, you find what that boundary means. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I, I, I think yeah that that definitely needs to come across, even if you're not, even if you're not in a club type setting. Those boundaries definitely still need to be there. 
Um, so the next one. In my experience doing phone sex cam work, my regular my regulars are just nice, normal people. Uh, there are two different quotes from this. I'm just going to read one of them. Uh, one thing I find frustrating is the assumption people make about my clients. Sure, there are some creepy, gross people, but generally in my experience doing phone sex and cam work, my regulars are just nice, normal people. I respect them and allow them to have access to my time because they respect my boundaries and my fees. This is something that I, I really, from a lot of the sex workers that I have known and been friends with for years and years and years, this is kind of, mm-hmm. it, it really is a big myth. And the reality is, is some people like sex and not everyone that likes sex is automatically a creep. And just because somebody has decided that they want sex and that they don't want to go through all the hoops of, you know, courtship and bullshit and all of the things you're supposed to do to win over someone or love them or bullshit, you know, in some ways, sex work is more authentic for people that are like, I just want sex. Mm -hmm. I have a career. I'm going to school. I have a a life plan that does not include heavy relationships and commitments and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I do like sex. That's not a, that doesn't make you a creepy person. In some ways, it's more authentic to just be able to reach out to a sex worker and say, hey, these are the things that I'm, I want and we can negotiate this and there's no expectations of you to be my partner or to reciprocate this or that. And, and it just seems much more, I just don't think people are all creepy. Absolutely. Some people are creepy because once again, if, if there's no training on either sides, everyone makes up their own, their own rules in their head. And then that's where the conflicts happen. And, or, and then we have people like uncle creepy who just like live in that world. Who's good at being creepy. I'm right on board with uncle creepy. It, there's a lot of people that really get turned on by that role play. Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, I have so many partners that I do so many things that are blatantly and intentionally creepy, but it's done in the context of the play. And then, you know, I just don't live creepy. Right. Right. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I have the same thing. Like it's the reason I work at haunted houses. It's the reason I like fear and mind fuckery. Like it's, it's it's because it's been negotiated. And I understand that the person or the people that I'm doing it with are going to enjoy right. it, and um, it's not because we're broken or anything like that. It's that we really just like fucking with people, and it's great. Um, then the la- last one that we're going to cover, like I said, the, this isn't the exhaustive list. If you want to see the whole list, please check out the BuzzFeed article. Uh, so, the last one we're going to talk about. I am a college graduate with a bachelor's degree from a public Ivy League school, and I'm not stripping because I have no ambition or brains. Here, here. Uh, the shortened version, the point that I was queuing in on is the Ivy League, mm-hmm. not everyone is just desperate for money or has no ambition. There are millions and millions of people, both men and women, that mm-hmm. just don't like a nine to five fucking job. They no. literally just don't like the idea of making a paycheck, going in, punching a clock, putting on a you know formal work attire, and doing that monotonous job. Sex work, if you are into that type of job, if you're into expressive sexuality and sensual creativity and those types of things, Sex work is actually a fantastic job for people that don't like to be... I am that person. If I could do sex work, I would do it enigma so fucking fast. Everyone, there would be a trail of dust behind me on how fast I would go to sex work if I was desirable. There's a a male strip club back home that's called Hard Bodies, and I've always joked that if anybody starts soft bodies... We're there. Yeah, I... I mean, I have bad knees, so it won't be like I won't be doing a whole lot of pole work. But like, I'll get up there and take my clothes off, and you could throw money at me. That's fine. Enigma. If our fine listeners want to find this article or us online, where do they go? 
Well, they can find us on Instagram at Perverted Podcast. They can find us on Twitter at Perverted PCast. And they can find us on FetLife. There's both a group and a page. When sex said from your grandma does not suffice, go to Perverted Podcast for some fucking advice. We got some fucking advice, Boogie, that you and I are going to give. And as usual, I have to put it up our disclaimer, you and I are a couple of deadbeats who have very little uh, solid information to give out, but we're going to do it anyway. And I don't think <laughs> deadbeats is the word. I mean, in, in yes. a financial life sense, yes. What else but is I, there? <laughs> well, I think this is very, we're very sex positive people. I don't think we're sex positive deadbeats. Okay, well. I don't. I'm taking that back. We're definitely not the cream of the fucking crop that we are not, but we're not deadbeats. <laughs> so okay, watch us fine. fix a life right now. And we're going to do it for our very own lovely path girl who actually wrote to us. We love path girl. She's the best. She's been sending me the most, uh, giving me the most lovely thoughts and giving me advice. She's a very wonderful woman. And here's what she says. She says, I'm recently single again, and I have been going back on all the dating apps. I met a guy, we started chatting, we made plans to meet up for dinner, and things went well. As part of my usual next step of looking for a new partner, I started vetting him through my community of kink friends. I got a FetLife message from one of my friends telling me to stay away from him. They had played, and he ignored her safe word multiple times. Mm. Trying to calm myself down, I said, well, that's one person's experience. Maybe it was just a bad one for them. Then another one of my friends came forward and told me this guy got kicked off of a kinky Discord chat that they were on together. And finally, a top who I play with regularly said, he's already hurt one woman I love. I will be damned if I let him hurt another. So I messaged him and I told him that I wanted to end things. And when he asked why, I told him cautiously that when I vetted him through the community, there were some issues with him violating safe words with someone. And he told me he had never violated a safe word in his life. This near miss had me so thankful for the years of listening to you guys and other kink educators on the importance of vetting in the community. But it also raised a question. In this lifestyle, inherently, there will be misunderstandings. People will do things from lack of education. People who are in a bad place when they play may hurt someone and truly make changes to be a better person and make amends. But how long do you hold the transgression against a person? Do you hold the major things against that person for their entire kink lifestyle? Or do you let the minor things slip by? Do you think that once a safe word violator, always a safe word violator, or can a leopard truly change his spots? Now then, I was a part of this this situation over the days that this occurred. So I'll let you go ahead and give your thoughts and opinions on it, and then I'll kind of throw mine in after. Well, I'm going to probably piss you off because I'm a little on the fence on this one. This is a tough one to answer because you are ultimately responsible for yourself. And although you vet somebody through friends, which is a good thing to do, uh, in the end, you're the one who has to decide for yourself. And how do you decide for yourself when you cannot look into a person's mind and tell if they're lying, how do you tell for yourself if you your friends give you one opinion and then another friend gives you another? You kind of have no choice but to wade through all that information and then try and make your choice based on the experience you have. That being said, there's absolutely nothing wrong with saying, look, I don't have enough information and the information I have is enough to make me want to stay away. There's nothing that's making me try and see this one through. So you have every fucking right to walk away the minute you feel like it you don't have to um listen to anybody or feel bad because that person now thinks that people are you know shaming him and when he didn't do anything wrong ultimately you take care of yourself and that means if you err on the side of caution then so fucking be it i actually agree there's i find nothing to not agree with there ooh there all i can add is in the question uh, is somebody, you know, gone for good if they had an offense? First off, I think there's some things that you would have to ask. How serious was the offense? 
how much damage did the offense do? How much proof of the offense? I mean, there's a lot of questions that you would have, but let's just say that we're talking about what was vetted was that there was a safe word violation uh, in a play scene. And that's where we stand. So first, just like you, you know, you don't know the whole story, but there is something where you just got to let's just assume that this was true. At this point, my first question would be, if this is something that happened in the past, how much responsibility did the top take? Was this something that they said this happened? I was caught up in the moment. And here's what I have done. A, B, C, D, E. These are the things that I've done to change. This is the path I am. This is the person who I was. If you're hearing about a person's process of personal rehabilitation, I think there's credibility in that, depending on the violation. If the guy's a fucking serial killer that raped people, I'm sorry, I can't wrap my head around that. Right. But if you're talking about a consent violation, depending on how that went down, I believe the first thing you would listen for is the individual talking, even if they're saying, I didn't do that. Well, that would be, this is what I do do. This is what I believe. You know, I think you would hear a much different. If you just hear defensiveness, I've never fucking, you know, dude, I would never do something like that. You're not really selling me on that. Yeah. Because you know what? If you've been a top for a long time, I did things with Mew that I've talked about on the show that she had a limit and I pushed that limit because I got in my head in a moment. And that was the scene that I called red in because I got in over my head. And so I've made mistakes in scenes that I made a plan. I talked about it openly. I accepted accountability. Um, I worked through it with my partner and there was a process to that. So if somebody is showing that they're changing and they're rehabilitating, then that I think it, it doesn't excuse the fact that there's been mistakes that you've made in your past. And I would surely not give somebody a free ticket to potentially harm me again. Right. I would say if those things are in place, well, okay, it sounds like this person has taken responsibility for the thing that happened. We're still going to go ahead and take this really cautious. We're not going to play privately. We are going to play in a in a public place. And I want a chaperone in the room while we play, you know, and if the other, you know, if you fucked up, you kind of got to know that I'm people aren't obligated to trust me just because I said I've changed. Right. No, I, I agree with you. In cases, there are also cases like what Path Girl is going through. She she doesn't have an interest in wading into anything uh, dangerous. She doesn't know this guy enough. And quite frankly, not everybody wants to go on a research expedition to do a deep dive into what happened. Sometimes people just want to walk away, which is why I said earlier, that's okay if that's your choice. It sucks. If all of your friends are wrong and this guy w- had not, had done nothing wrong, it sucks for him. It absolutely does to be blamed for something without being able to answer to it or to speak to the person who's blaming you. But that's not just in kink. That's true. If if you go dating someone and some girl comes up and says, yeah, honey, don't date that man because he did, you know, he left me hanging with a bill and skipped out of town. I don't know. Something like that. It happens everywhere. Sure, sure. All evidence is useful evidence. And I did advise her as a friend to not bother with it because of the reaction. The reaction was kind of so flippant and like just straight denial. And there was other things. I had gone and read a lot of the posts from this person's page, and they really didn't sound like a very super stable positive person anyway so i was like you know this is not a package deal to begin with so why bother with this you know wish the guy the best say you know keep working (laughs) keep working on being a better person and uh best of fucking luck to you best you can do boogie best you can do you got to take care of yourself you're responsible for yourself i agree with you every time you say that kathy Who doesn't love anal? Lava 
straight shooter and I'm going in your booter. Who doesn't love anal? Get a little lube and let my weenie love your poop too. The end of show 318. Thank you to all of you who support us by listening to our show, pimping us out to your friends, tagging us on FetLife, or supporting us on patreon.com forward slash perverted podcast. And speaking of patreon.com forward slash perverted podcast, thank you to all the supporters. Without you guys, I swear to God, I don't know where Boogie and I would be in our miserable lives if we didn't have you guys supporting us. I know where you'd be, Kathy. I don't know where I'd be. We would both be wallowing. All right. If you'd like to reach out to us for any reason, drop us a line at pervertedpodcast at gmail.com. Or you can reach us through our FetLife profile, cleverly entitled Perverted Podcast. Kathy, all I can say is it's been an amazing show. I love you, and I can't wait to see everyone for 319. It's been 30 days since the dead started to rise. You shoot them in the head, and you don't let them bite. But this zombie apocalypse has been a little strange. All normal zombie apocalypse rules apply except for one minor change. I shall explain. The other day, all us survivors were at the shopping center foraging for supplies when I saw the craziest whack-a-mole shit I ever done seen with my own eyes. Now then, all the female zombies were your standard psycho-violent aggressive. But all the male zombies were in the shops looking at dresses? Cross-dressing zombies in the shopping malls. After life dried up balls. They love to shop for shoes and try on lingerie. So they can look sexy while they eat brains then there was this funny smell but we couldn't tell what kinda like cheap perfume and human rot it was one of them tranny zombies in a beauty supply store smearing makeup all over his face but it just looked like a sad drunk whore. <laughs> now I was fixing to blast a hole in that freak train, but one of the female survivors threw a fit. She said, Oh hell no, boy girl. Y'all need some makeup tips. And then all the other female survivors got excited and put the undead dude in a chair. And I'll be goddamn squirrel sodomized if they didn't give him a zombie makeover? It just ain't right. Cross-dressing zombies in the shopping malls. After life, dried up balls. They love to shop for shoes and try on lingerie. So they can look sexy while they eat her hair and makeup and found her a pretty wig and a girly hat. They tried to do a manicure on her, but her hand fell off, so big no on that. Ew. The zombie got so excited, looking in the mirror and making sexy zombie poses, which between you and me weren't all that sexy, but <laughs> be supportive. So now, with the zombies, we have a very progressive and tolerant pact. We help them do their hair and makeup, and in exchange, we don't get attacked. So if you see a tranny zombie at a party, go ahead and tell her she looks great. And if you want to fuck one of them, go ahead. It's not like they can procreate. What? Cross-dressing zombies in the shopping malls After life, dried up balls They love to shop for shoes and try on lingerie 
so they can look sexy while they